We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Have you ever met or were lucky enough to talk to a real person? Somebody that's real is a person that is relatable. They expose vulnerabilities in themselves and in others so that people can see they're not alone. They're approachable and they continuously learn and believe that learning is one of the most important aspects of getting better in any situation. Well, I did. Her name is Tara Martin and I was lucky enough to have her as a guest on this episode of Seeing to Lead. It's Dr. Jones, everyone, and I'm happy to bring you this new episode about being real. You see, Tara Martin has an acronym, R-E-A-L. It's about relatable, exploring vulnerability, approachable, and learning, just like I just mentioned. But the most important message from this episode is that being real is the most important thing we can do, but one of the rarest things we find in people because we are constantly surrounded by the need, the urge, the want to be something other than we actually are so we can show the world we fit in. When instead, we should be making sure to take all our experiences in life and continue to learn from them so that we can help improve the situation for others. You see, being relatable is about making other people feel as if they belong because their situation is not unique to them in the broader sense. Exposing our vulnerability sends a clear message to others and makes them comfortable in sharing theirs with us. We need to realize and understand at a deeper level that our words matter more than we understand to people who we don't even realize. That's heavy. But if we treat everyone as if they are a puzzle piece that completes the picture, we will create a community of belonging. One last thing, you really need to hear Tara's story about cannonballing. Thanks for taking the time to tune in to Seeing to Lead. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it even more to all those people who have hit that subscribe button and left a five-star rating or review. One, it helps the show. Two, it helps others find it and benefit from the value it offers. If you haven't done that yet, I'd really appreciate it if you would and share it with somebody who you think will find it valuable. But enough about me. Let's hear all about being real from Tara Martin on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention, Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic 
achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. The more we can make people feel appreciated, valued, and enough in whatever capacity that that has to take for you to make others feel that, you will create a culture of belonging where people will move mountains, not just for you, but for themselves. And because they feel valued, appreciated, and enough under your support or under your mentorship, they in turn will discover who they really are and be able to bring that no matter what role that they serve in education or in life. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Tara Martin is an enthusiastic educator, national speaker, and author who thrives on change and refuses to settle for the status quo. She has served as a classroom teacher and instructional coach for several years and most recently a district administrator. As the founder of BookSnaps, the latest reading comprehension strategy currently implemented in 17 countries, she is always seeking unique ways to make learning fun, relevant, and meaningful. Tara is the author of the inspirational book, Be Real, Educate from the Heart and Cannonball In, a motivating children's book illustrated by Genesis Kohler. Tara firmly believes machines and artificial intelligence will never replicate an individual's real identity, the unique strengths, talents, and life experiences of every human. Tara's passion for education and love of writing led her to a new role where she coaches and serves educational authors as the director of publishing for DBC Inc. Tara's ambition is to lead a culture of innovative change, keep social emotional learning at the heart of our work, and encourage others to cannonball in and fulfill their true potential. I personally am excited to have Tara on the podcast. We scheduled a couple times, but things got in the way. Um, and one of the reasons for me being excited about it is the idea of her real, her be real framework, which she helps fill out on her podcast, the real. Journey show. I encourage you all to check it out. But enough of that. Tara, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here today. This is going to be a fun conversation. We've been talking a little while before we hit the record button. And you're just, you know, like your bio said, you're enthusiastic, you're lively, you're full of energy. And I'm 
absolutely positive you've got a ton of good things to say. If you would, though, I read through your bio, could you put a little personal life behind that and fill it out a little bit for us where you want to? For sure. Yeah. I, that bio is, I'm like, wow, I can do a lot of things. So just <laughs> I, I love that I was able to begin this journey as an educator in the classroom and then later move into instructional coaching and move it into that administration role. It's definitely every single role, Chris, that I've had the opportunity to serve in has set me up for what I got to do every single day. Now, when that is working with educational authors. With my passion, I love writing. I love teaching. I love being a mentor to others. I love coaching and always instructionally fitness doesn't matter. And so it's just so nice to be able to have all of those different roles that I've had the experience to serve in that capacity and be able to combine them all up and get to do what I love every single day. And that is amplifying the voices of others and teachers, educators, students, keynote speakers, whoever that is, I get the opportunity to coach and help them to understand that, you know what, your story, your real story is so important and is so different than anyone else's. And it must be shared. It doesn't necessarily always have to be shared in writing. I work a ton with authors and I love that because writing is definitely my passion. But there's so many avenues in which we are able to share our story. So just encouraging people to share that realness with the world because the more that we do, the easier that others feel that same empowerment that their real story also could help others to reach their dreams, conquer challenges, obstacles, all the things. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I First of all, I love all that. And can I just say, that's why I'm excited about talking to you. I just asked you to run out your biography. We're probably about five minutes into the show and I'm already like, yes, as you're talking. I love <laughs> it. Party got me all fired up about it. We got this. <laughs> we got this. I really liked the idea of you saying how into amplifying other people's voices you are. And in in that explanation of amplifying people's voices, because we are all unique human beings. And what helps us define that or explain that to other people is when our voice is heard. And the idea that you said that, and then you, you used some really important words to me personally, you, used, you talked about engaging and empowering. Could you talk a little bit about, or I have a feeling we're going to talk more about it, your Be Real framework, R-E-A-L. There, there's a whole framework behind this, hence your show, hence the book. But could you explain that to listeners? Certainly. Be Real is all, it's an acronym and it's all about be, being relatable, exposing vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. Be Real is so important to me because I feel like real is very rare anymore. Too often we are surrounded by the need to be something than what we are. And the world makes us feel like that is what they need and want. But the truth is realness is so rare that it's almost like a precious gem. It's actually what people enjoy, where they connect and how they are able to find meaning in life. And if more of us, as especially as educators. My book is titled Be Real, Educate from the Heart because I feel like the teachers and the mentors and the coaches in my life that 
filled huge voids in this little girl's life. From a young age, I didn't have parents that valued me as a human. And I grew up in a lot of abuse, a home that was not safe. And so having teachers and mentors and coaches fill that void for me from the time I was just a tiny tot all the way up until I graduated high school as a first-generation graduate, I was thinking, what was it that made those people so special? Because it wasn't all of my teachers. It wasn't all of my coaches. Not all of them were able to see something in me and push me forward and help me to overcome and break the cycle. but the ones that did, they were so real. They were always relatable. They exposed vulnerability and they allowed me to do the same. They made me feel safe enough to do the same. They were approachable. Never once did I feel scared to go ask them a question, to go to them with a problem, to go to them when I was struggling. And they made me feel that they were there for me, that I was valued, I was appreciated, and I was enough just the way I was. Even as that stinky little kid in the elementary school getting her free lunches with no friends, like those teachers stood out to me because nothing made them feel like I, I, nothing made me feel like I couldn't approach them. And then the L, every single one of them taught me that you know what? We're always learning through life. We go through a ton of things that, you know, we didn't ask for. I didn't ask for the hand that life dealt me as a child. But you know what? I learned a ton of stuff from it. And more than anything, I learned that that I developed so many levels of empathy that later when I was able to serve children in my own classroom or as an administrator or even serving adults now, I can relate to them on levels that I never would have been able to relate to them at that level had I not experienced what I did in life. And I think it doesn't matter. You don't have to come from abuse to have the L in learning. In real, we're always learning through life. I feel like every experience when we fall flat on our face or when it's a victory, a small victory, a big one, it doesn't matter. Every single time we're learning something new. And if you can just take life like that, you understand that you're always growing, you're always moving forward, then not only will you desire to be real and to share that with the world, but you actually encourage others to do just the same. Like, how about you just come as you are and all of this realness, we're going to like combine it up together. And what a beautiful world of so many unique individuals sharing all the things that they've learned by being relatable, exposing vulnerability, showing themselves approachable and learn through life. I just think that's the perfect world. That would be the perfect world. A real one. Can I just hit stop here and we'll call it an episode? Sure. Deuces, <laughs> yeah. everyone. Oh, oh, man. Have a great life. Um, there is so much to unpack in what you just said. I, like, first of all, the first thing I want to do is say thank you to you. Because, you know, we talk a lot about how to be better leaders in any aspect of our life. And it always starts with modeling. And boy, did you just model a boatload of vulnerability. So thank you for that. That's not always easy. And I just want to let you know that you're appreciated for it. But as we have each of these words, I mean, there's just, like I said, there's just so much to unpack. I'd love to go to each one just shortly if we could. 
and hit each one. And maybe we can give some examples or um, explanations a little more in depth on each one. So relatable. When we're talking about relatable, and especially some of what you just said in that introduction of this framework, is the idea that we're in front of students. As educators, we're in front of students all the time. And administrators, when you use that term, you're in front of teachers all the time. How do we, how does somebody go about making themselves more relatable to those that they're leading, that they're serving? Yeah, I think, you know, relatable by definition is being able to feel what others feel. Like you're able to make someone feel that they are accepted, right? I feel like maybe that's not, maybe that's not Webster's Dictionary, but that's going to be Tara's Dictionary. I think if you can, <laughs> when you are relatable and you're showing yourself relatable, you're an open-minded listener. You are helping them to understand that, you know what? I may not fully understand what you're going through, but I'm here and I'm listening and I want to better feel what you feel. I want you to explain that to me share that perspective with me, enlighten me and help me to feel what you're going through. Like, I'm not going to ever be able to walk through your shoes. I can never have all the experiences that you've already had and bring that to the table exactly. But you can share with me how what I'm doing as a leader, as a teacher, as a mentor, as a friend, as a mom, doesn't matter what your role is. What is it that I'm doing from your, how is that making you feel from your perspective? I want to know. And I may not understand it. And that may not have ever been my intent, you know, to make you feel that way. But because I care about the way that you do feel, I'm showing myself relatable. I'm letting you know that's important to me. You, the way that you feel is valuable to me. So is relatable, is relatable a broader way of, approaching empathy or perspective taking? For sure. And I feel like, you know, the whole acronym, we've talked about this before because somebody's like, oh, the R is, it's like empathy. Then we get to expose vulnerability and they're like, that's empathy. Like that develops (laughs) an approach. I feel like the whole word kind of is going to fit in that. Yeah, it is. But it's okay. We can still talk about it. I can talk about anything. But I think relatable In my opinion, relatable is more about being able to share your own experiences, but also not, I feel like a lot of leaders out there share their experiences. That's something they are good at. Like we're good at that. If I can just link myself in there too. But where it gets, where it separates that type of leader from other leaders that I feel like really embrace the realness is when they actually value hearing about other people's experiences. They actually value knowing their people on a deeper deeper level. And that to me is when you are able to not only show yourself relatable, which we're pretty decent at that, but actually allowing the people that we serve to also show themselves relatable so we can actually feel what, you know, kind of understand them a little bit better. And it does all tie into empathy for sure. So being vulnerable, it seems to me listening to you, because I, first of all, I think that's brilliant, a brilliant way to draw that fine line between relatable and empathy. 
because it's not about it's not about you when you're talking about being relatable. And oftentimes, and I did this when I first heard it, I was like, okay, so I have to be, I have to be more relatable. I have to show people that I can relate to where they are. That's not what it's about. It's about getting them or seeing them from where they are so that they can be relatable or you can understand it from them. Am I they feel saying that right? like yeah, they feel like, yeah, she shows herself relatable. And that make I think it builds a culture, if you will, a belonging, right? That like she's showing herself relatable. I can show myself, I could share some of these things about me. I feel comfortable to do that. To me, it's a, it's a reciprocated. So every single have, one of these. So you have to be, well, there definitely, it's funny because I wrote down the, I wrote down the acronym on my notepad here and I've got arrows going everywhere all of a sudden. <laughs> I've got different lines attached in others. That's how my brain works every day, Chris. Oh, well. So, so good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, so what I'm thinking though is, you have to be vulnerable. So let's move to the second one of them. You have to be vulnerable to become relatable. For sure. I definitely think you do. Like you said, these things, like they're almost like right. stuck to each other. And if you're going to make this word real, like you got to like embody the whole thing. Exposing vulnerability, it is a big piece of how we can show ourselves relatable. When we show, when we expose vulnerability, we express that, you know what? Sometimes we make mistakes. And when we make mistakes, we own it. Or we get feedback from our teachers or our staff. We get feedback from our students. And they're like, hey, this isn't, that didn't vibe well. I didn't like the way that made me feel. Like whatever it is, we own it. And by doing so, it goes right back to relatable. We are at that moment, we're showing them, you know what? This is a vulnerable moment. Or you're sharing a story. I love to share about Oh, Mrs. S, she was my second grade teacher who took me under her wing. She didn't have to. She didn't have to fill the void of the Maslow's needs that I needed. She didn't have to... I just recently did a podcast on my own podcast talking about a mama's love. And she didn't have to show me that mama's love. But she did. And because of it, she changed the trajectory of my future. And I honestly believe that she was the first adult that ever showed me any kind of love. The first person I can remember, I was second grade, almost six years old. And I remember her, seven, was seven. I remember her just exposing that vulnerability to me. She would share with me things like in her own life, just in a second grade way. And it made me feel so comfortable to be able to share back with her. And I love that because the more she shared, she struggled to read when she was younger too. She taught me to read. I was only, I only knew six letters and sounds when I joined the second grade, which is one of the biggest reasons that was made fun of at school besides being the stinky kid and all the things. I couldn't read and I was struggling in education in every way, except for being able to color very beautiful pictures with my broken crayons. But she taught me to read that year and she also struggled to read and she would tell me stories about that. And it made me feel like, like I wasn't alone. And as a kid, I remember just thinking like she hung the moon. She smelled like red door perfume. She was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And she made me homemade granola bars every single day. And when I got off the bus, I got to go in the classroom and sit with her. And somehow she taught me to read off hugs and granola bars that year. But she did. And I leveled up with my peers. But it all started with her one showing herself relatable letting me feel like I was very valued. She never made me, I didn't miss a day of school ever, but uh, she never made me feel 
like she wanted me to miss the day of school, which my other teachers definitely did. And I think that was just one of those pieces about exposing vulnerability. When we as the leader, as a person standing up in front of whomever you're leading is able to share a bit of your heart in a way that you don't normally do, like just people passing by, people around you begin to feel like, oh, okay, this is a safe place to be able to do that as well. Awesome. Just, I mean, that's such a touching story about Mrs. S. Uh, you know, a quick little shout out to Mrs. S. She's the best. You know, Chris, I just can't stress it enough on teachers, any teachers that are listening to this, like you know this, but also I think sometimes we forget this, that we never ever know the far-reaching effects of our impact. We cannot possibly wrap that up into a quantifiable number or measure of any sort because just a teacher believing in me one year, literally changing the way that I thought and the way that I learned everything from that point forward. I never struggled in school academically. Behaviorally, that's a whole other ballgame. But academically, I never struggled again. I was on the path to doing something better and greater. And I'm so grateful that second grade teacher didn't wait until I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. I didn't have to wait for somebody to find this, I don't know, potential. She saw it, she did it. And it was so, in her mind, it was so small. When I talked about this at my graduation speech, she was like, she was crying. But afterward, my fellow uh, classmates, told me in the back room, they're like, hey, by the way, Mrs. S did the same thing for us. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like I was the only one that got to go in the classroom. But it's just because teachers do what they do. They are always just meeting the needs of their students, saying these little phrases like, I believe in you, you're greater than your current circumstances. Those were some phrases I remember her saying to me. And I didn't understand what all that meant when I was a little girl, but all I knew is this woman believed in me and I wanted to do the best I could for her. As of it, she made me start to believe in myself and want to switch the way I thought and made me want to do that for myself. And teachers, I think just, I think sometimes we just go through the motions of doing what we do. We always doing what we do. But the truth is those little nuggets go into like these little redheads with crooked pigtails and it stays with them for 40 years and they still think about it. That it's it really is such such a heavy burden to think about, to stop and think about how every little phrase that's said that they're out there you don't know. It is. It's really scary that you don't realize it. And sometimes I think because we don't always think about that and we don't always realize that all our words matter to who we don't know, but we could say a sentence and the first half matters to the person in the second row and the second half matters to the person in the back corner that's trying to stay awake from the night before. That because I think it's so heavy, we often tend to brush it aside and forget about it because to think about that every minute of every day is just a load too much for people that are doing their best every single day to affect as many students as possible. So true. I, 
you know, on the flip side of that, I don't usually talk about this on the podcast, but it kind of goes with approachable and I know that's where we're headed. <laughs> so uh, I think of it the opposite. Sometimes I like to describe things from the opposite view, right? Approachable, we already talked about Mrs. S. That woman gave me a hug every single day. I smelled like red door perfume because of her and I'm so grateful because it like masked all the other things. Because she was so approachable. She was so lovable. I grew up in the South. And so it was something they did. They hugged their kids and that was okay. But the opposite of approachable, I would say like my kindergarten teacher. I, the only thing, I'm five years old. And the only thing I remember from that year is getting a friendly face stamp on my hand every single day. And so if you got a frowny face stamped on your hand, you first of all had to bring that home and show your parents. and then which was terrible because that was like, that that in and of itself was like just a terrible thing to put on a kid that comes from abuse. But also there was no winning in that classroom. You were never, like the moment I walked in the door, I knew I was going to get a frowny face. In fact, I only got to take a bath a couple times a week. That's just how it worked in my house because of finances. And I remember walking in to Miss Lawson's class. Sorry to call her out. I don't even know if she's still alive. She was a she was older when I was a kindergartner. So maybe she doesn't listen to this. But even <laughs> if she does, she needs to hear this because it's not okay. I remember walking in my classroom and holding out my hand and telling her, like, don't worry about it. I still have frowny face on from yesterday. Like, it doesn't matter. No matter what well, I do today, right. I'm going to get one. Right. And so that's the opposite. That's like how school should never feel. It's, Every day should be a fresh start. Every day, Mrs. S, for example, would tell us, I'm so excited you're here. I took that phrase to heart. And every day when I taught elementary, I did third grade for uh, six years uh, when I was in elementary school, when I taught in elementary school. And I remember every day saying the same thing. I don't care how much I wish that student was absent. (laughs) I told them that I was stoked that they were there. And I had to make myself believe it sometimes. But I never wanted a kid to feel like, you know what, I'm going to get frowny face every day. It doesn't really matter. You know, no one should ever feel like that. As adults, the same way. I think when people walk in, they should feel like this puzzle isn't complete until you walked in the door. When everyone is here, my puzzle piece, my puzzle is complete and nobody likes a puzzle with an empty puzzle piece. So when you show yourselves approachable, I think that's how the people among you feel. They're like, I want to be there. And not only do I want to be there, she wants me to be there because it's important. Like I'm a big piece of this. I think you just nailed approachable. <laughs> that's approachable. <laughs> you had it there anyways. That I, You know, and I really, like the, I really like the tact of explaining it from what it shouldn't be because oftentimes, I mean, I've said this many times. I said it when I was observing when I was first looking to get my teacher's license and get certified as a teacher, observing teachers, boy, you learn a heck of a lot from seeing what you shouldn't be doing too. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah, so the idea that you uh, described it from the negative is even better. I love how you really brought it home with that, the puzzle piece as well. You know, nobody likes a puzzle, missing a puzzle piece. And if you can make everybody feel like they're that puzzle piece, then... That's approachable in a nutshell. Exactly. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. 
So, my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So let's talk about the last one. Let's talk about learning. Learning through life. Yeah, it's... I'm still learning through life every day. I feel like every single thing we do, if you are doing stuff, which if you're not, you're really not living. But if you're out there doing stuff, putting yourself out there, putting your content out there, sharing your heart with the world, sharing your vulnerability with students, trying out some new strategies in your classroom, it honestly does not matter what you do. As long as you are doing something, we have an opportunity to learn through life. And I adopted this concept when I was younger. I remember a great experience that I had as a kid with my family. One of the things my therapist and I talk about, we always try to, if trauma starts creeping up, we'll talk about, I see a therapist, by the way, once every month, whether I need her or not, and I love it. And I will never change that because I think every human should have that. shouldn't have a stigma of like something might be wrong with you. No, you don't have to really need anything wrong with you to like need to process life with somebody. And I love her for that. She helped me a lot. One of the things we talk about is replacing some of this this trauma with something positive. Where was there a moment of positivity? Or if you were to do this again, how would you do it? And so when I think in those realms, I think about these learn this lesson to be learned, right? Through whatever I went through. And one of them that I love so much that I wrote a picture book about it. I not only wanted to bring out the story with her, I was like, I want to bring this to life. Like this could help people. And it's called Cannonball In. And it's all about taking risk and trying something new. And it was a real story about when my dad, who raised me a big chunk of my life, took me to the city pool. We didn't get to go very often, but we went like once or twice each summer. And I wanted to jump off the diving board so bad. I just wanted to do that. But I was really comfortable with swimming in the shallow end and I was super scared of the deep end. So there were many times because I would climb up the diving board. I would climb it up the ladder, get up there, scan the pool and be like, heck no, can't do it. Down I would come. All the kids were making fun of me in line. And then you got to pass the dabblers, which are the beautiful girls with dry hair, thick, you know, full makeup, not wets, but judging every jumper that's jumping off. Like you guys may not have dabblers in your area, but we definitely do over here. And I remember just going back to my safe zone, the shallow end, and being so disappointed in myself. Like, why didn't I just take this risk? Why didn't I just do it? I can swim. Like my dad has told me a bunch of times I can swim. Finally, one day I did it. I just cannonballed in. I I just ran, jumped, grabbed both knees and made my splash. And I was pumped. And yes, I had to sink into that deep end. 
and I had to swim as if my life depended on it because it did. And when I came out and saw those little ripples, I didn't make water escape the pool like my dad or some of the other people out there, but I made waves. And when I look back on that as an adult, every risk that we take and everything that we try and things that are good that maybe they shoved us in the deep end. Maybe we didn't jump. Maybe sometimes life just like shoves you out there, but you swim, you come out and you feel accomplished. But in that moment, I did, I was proud of myself. I was super excited about how I took this risk and I counted on my skills to get me there. And it was scary. And maybe I didn't make the water. I couldn't compare to the 200 pounder jumpers when I was just like seven or eight years old, little tiny girl, but I made waves. And that's what it is to learn through life. You realize, hey, I can do some things and I can try some new things. And it may not be the biggest movement in the world, but I made some ripples and it moved water. And when we do this, when we try this in life with students or people that we're able to, within our realm of influence, we may not be shattering the earth like with all this greatness, but we could be the Mrs. S's that changed one little girl's mindset toward education and gave her the gateway to freedom, to getting out of the hellhole that she lived in and, and removing herself from that completely, literally rewiring her brain with phrases and love and care and Maslow's need, whatever she did the you know, we can do it was ripples, right? It wasn't these earth, it wasn't these big, huge waves, but it was ripples that 40 years later is still having an impact on the world. Cause I never talk about education without talking about her. And I think that's what cannonballing again is really all about. We're always gonna have the dabblers, even after she cannonballed in a story, talks about the dabblers, and they're still sitting there judging everyone. And they're like, really, that's all you got, Twiggy? Like, you got a wedgie when you hit the walk. And she's just like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, like, are you kidding me? I'm back to the shallow end. I'm not going to do this again. But my dad reminded me that day. And one, one thing that he stuck with me, and this is the phrase that encouraged me to not only think about my childhood in a positive way by thinking about the story, but also to put it out there in a book, in a picture book that kids can read and adults can read and be encouraged by it. He said, what do the dabblers know about jumping if they're not in the water? And I thought that was just such a powerful statement. And then afterward, I remember vividly him telling me this. He said, you were not born to sit on the sidelines and watch the jumpers. You were born to jump. And... I think that's really what it means to learn through life. Like we weren't born to huddle into our home and just stay in a bubble and never do anything. We were born to live. And if we're born to jump, that means we're going to have to take some risk out there. And that means I'm going to make some belly busters sometimes. And sometimes I'm going to make a really great splash. But every single time, no matter what I'm doing as a mom, as a wife, as a educator, as a leader of authors, as a keynote speaker, it doesn't matter what, as a CrossFit coach, I'm always learning something new. And I'm adding that to my toolbox. I'm not getting beat down. I'm not letting the dabblers zap all my energy and take it away from me. I'm like, okay, that was a new way of thinking of it. 
okay, I'm going to add that to the list. And by doing so, not only do you love living, you just end up loving living because you can't really screw up. If you mess up, it's just another lesson, you know, and we're just going to move forward from there. But you also encourage others to do the same. If everybody feels like you can learn through life and we can't really fail per se, we're not going to just fall flat. And I mean, as long as there's breath, there's hope, we can keep moving forward. I, I just, I can't imagine another way to live <laughs> without that. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. You know, with all your experiences in life, because you've had different areas that you've excelled in, because of that belief about you were born to jump, if you were in education, who, not what would you be? Yeah, so I, I think this is an interesting question. I feel like a who I would, I feel like I would still just be who I am. Like I would be real. And I know that sounds so silly and so cliche because that's what we've been talking about the whole time. But no matter who or what you want to be, you have to stay true to your core, who you are, your realness. The realness has to be present in everything that you do because if it's not, one, people are going to find you out. And two, you have to constantly like pretend to be something. You have to try this and try that and try this and try that. And you're just constantly in this battle of pleasing others. But if you can ever just, I think for me, I always just want to stay true to being real. If I can just be real, then I don't really have to worry about how it works for everyone else around or how the world sees it or how whatever organization views it. It's going to be the truest version of me. And then I should be able to excel in that version, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't know if that answers your question completely, but I feel like who I would be would be real. <laughs> It answers my question completely. I think you answered the second question too that I asked people because what you were saying sounds a lot like answering and take a stab at this. The most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve. Exactly. See, that was a one word answer because you just well, answered what did it. Already. I say, I would say that. I would say everything I just said in this podcast. No, what's the most important piece of advice? I honestly think it is, obviously, this is my message, but the more we can make people feel appreciated, valued, and enough in whatever capacity that that has to take for you to make others feel that, you will create a culture of belonging where people will move mountains, not just for you, but for themselves. And because they feel valued, appreciated, and enough under your support or under your mentorship, they in turn will discover who they really are and be able to bring that no matter what role that they serve in education or in life. Tara, you've said so much today that I can imagine myself re-listening to this multiple times to take multiple notes and unpack it all. If people want to get in touch with you, I know you have the website. I'll link all that up with your books and everything in the show notes. Uh, is there a preferred way that people can get in touch with you? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Tara Martin EDU. 
My website is tarammartin.com. It's a great place to find all the things. You can find my contact information, my email, all the things. If you need to find me specifically, there is a form on the keynote and speaking section. Even if you're not interested in keynote speaking, you can just go there and fill out that form. If you have some questions for me, that'll send it straight to my email, also to my phone. So it's just a great way to connect with me. On Instagram, I'm tarammartin.real. And then also on Facebook, Tara M. Martin. So a lot of places, The Real Journey Show is a podcast that I just recently started back up. It's got a different little format. If you start with like episode 29 on, (laughs) it's just a little 15 minute short parts and pieces of my journey that I love to share out and just get a feel for like how that might empower or help or inspire, or maybe they're like, no, that's not for me. Anybody who listens to it. So if you do listen, I love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, those are basically the main ways to connect with me. My website's probably the easiest way to find all those things. And that's two M's in the middle. So Tara M. Martin Duck. Tara, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. You It's been absolutely fantastic listening to you talk about the framework and go through it, which you explain it even a little more with not all the examples on your website. So anybody that needs to review it there, they need to head over to that and make sure they grab a couple copies of your book. That'd be helpful as well. So thank you again. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I love the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Chris. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Seeing to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Seeing to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.